Bible. And I'm O Katrina. And this is Woman Up, Up Podcast. Podcast. If uh, if you don't know what we are, stop trying to say hi. We're going to get to you. <laughs> In case you're new, this is a podcast where two crazy cat ladies uh, talk about all kinds of geeky stuff like superheroes and comics and gaming, anything we want to. Every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. today at 8.30, we run down our favorite nerdy news of the week and then share some chick fix with you before diving into our main topic. We are also promising that we're going to answer questions this time. We are going to make time at the end to answer your questions. We're bad at it, but we're going to do it. Somebody remind us. We will absolutely do it. Um, if you guys are a little confused by the background, obviously we are not in Sarah's apartment. We are at KO Gaming Lounge KO. here in beautiful Los Angeles, Roland Heights, and it is an awesome, awesome thing. If you guys didn't catch the tour that I gave, that'll be up on my YouTube channel later on. Uh, I toured the place with our friend Michael Powell, and they're going to have a $100 cash money tournament next Tuesday. Next so Tuesday. Make yes. sure you come out for Street Fighter Five and kick some butt so you can win Mike's money and steal it from his pocket. Take but all of his money. It's his money out of his pocket. It belongs so. to you now. Uh, for returning fans, hello. Welcome back. We love you. If you're a person in the future listening to this on allgames.com or iTunes, hello, future people. Hello, future Welcome. People. Oh, we just took some of Mike's money. Make it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. You can, wait, wait. I don't, I've never made it rain before. You just, no. you do, I do this. How do you do it? How do you do it? He's thrown out a few strippers. Ah, look oh, at yeah. Money the yes. Look at that. Lounge. You can win this pot oh my of gosh. money. It's amazing. <laughs> and the lounge is fantastic and beautiful. There's food here. There's drinks here. And I'll there's just beautiful take people here. That. It's really, really fun. Yes, so. definitely. And we'll talk about it more uh, later on as well for anybody who misses the beginning. Um, so today's guest is Aaron Capone Smith, esports expert and tournament organizer. Yes, and I'm also the voice you randomly hear in the background of the podcast from time to time. He is actually our podcast engineer, and the reason yes. that the podcast has worked at all. <laughs> yes, uh, we would not so have understood. <laughs> he he made our new template that you guys said that you liked, even though we're not using it today. We're using the Ko Lounge template because they have a Twitch channel. Would love it if you could go and check out their Twitch channel as well. Yes, thank um, you. But he made the template that you guys were so, so uh, proud of. And you also just hear him sometimes or see the side of his arm in my streams. <laughs> because we are lovers. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking, you guessed it, esports. Esports! And the rise of competitive gaming. Gaming, Whoa. gaming. So of course we brought in... The export, uh, expert. The ex- export. Yep. We've exported the expert from his normal area and brought him here. If you like uh, esports, so we got you an export. So I've been exported from esports land <laughs> to come speak about esports. Yes. And our culture. Uh, but before all of that, it is time for news flash. We gotta. We really gotta work on that one. It's not good. I'm sorry. I almost hit you like right in the face. Um. So, main living news flash. We talk about our favorite uh, three topics from each week, and then dive right into the main topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, our very first is that uh, Lupita Nyong'o is being considered for another sci-fi project. Yes. At Disney. Yes. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called. I knew what it was called. It's based on the ambassador. You wrote Lupita sci-fi cast. I did. I knew what it was called. It was like the international. It was, it was something very simple. And I was like, I can do that. Uh, but I, I was wrong. Anyway, it's, uh, it's supposed to be directed oh, by uh, Ava DuVernay, who did uh, Selma. And it was written by the guy who did Jurassic World. His name, I didn't even bother trying to remember because it had more than two syllables. Um in the last he's, name. He's doing the uh, the uh, the final Star Wars movie as well. So and um, 
So uh, let me let me give you all a brief moment where you can be inside Sarah's brain. Sarah's brain is on Twitter, and she sees, oh, look at that. Uh, Lupita's going to be in a sci-fi movie, and for a goddamn second, mm-hmm. I imagined her in, like, a role, like, a, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of role where she's, like, running around, she's doing parkour, she's escaping the bullets, and she's trying to take down that crazy system. And, like, a, she, they said she was the star. They were, like, the star of a sci-fi thing, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh, that's going to be so awesome, so cool to see a strong black woman in that role. And then I was like, uh, Sarah, can you not be crazy for a second? <laughs> Like, Let's be real. <laughs> she's going to be the robot. She's going to be... Well, I was like, well, she's probably actually... I wanted her to be saving the world, but mm. she's probably actually going to need to be saved. So I click on the link, and I read it, and uh, you guessed it. She is playing the love interest. And yes. she's an alien. Yes. But hey, let's be happy she got a role as the love interest. I mean, this baby steps, but at least we're having, um, you know, Hopefully Lupita she and more movies. Hopefully yeah. love interest. Yeah. Uh, and she also is apparently going to look like herself for most of it uh, because she it's an alien who looks who he mistook for a human. So if she does look crazy, it'll it won't be for the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, Unlike Maz Kanata. So it's going to be like Gamora and Guardians of the Galaxy where she's just painted green or blue or some Maybe. other color. <laughs> Which is I mean why why right. cover her in yeah. any color? Oh, yeah. And the name of the movie is going to be uh, Intelligent Life. Ah, Intelligent Life. Ah. I knew I had an eye. Do you guys remember me saying all those I words? Why don't aliens come in like black skin? I don't understand why nobody just makes I mean just have black people all the all the aliens are just black people they're like, "Oh, we've all, all of them No, it should be all of them. It would be hilarious. <laughs> like, "Hello, we're from Mars." No, you're not. You're from Michigan. No, no, we're from Mars. No, you're not. I swear I saw you the other day. You all look alike. It's hard to tell you apart. <laughs> no. You humans are terrible. We're blowing this bitch up. Yes. It would be great. Wonderful. Uh, perfect. Um oh, Justice Geeks really likes your shirt catalog. Oh, thank you. Good it's job. from Capcom like, Cup. This is an Evo shirt. Yes. I'm wearing a black Yes, you can't even see the whole thing. There you go. Capcom Cup 2016. Yeah. 2015. I feel like standing up. I'm going to do it. Stop it. Stop showing them your woman cover up. Uh, our next piece of news, Zack Snyder grumped at something. Oh, uh, so Zack Snyder basically told all of fandom that, like, they don't know who Superman is because they're not real fans. In in summary, like, there's a lot more depth to that. Um, and I wanted to bring it up simply because, like, uh, it, it sucks because every time I see a photo from Batman and Superman, I'm like, oh, this is going to be super fun. And, like, oh, it's going to be really engaging. And then I remember, like the people on the movie and the people writing the movie and the person who wrote a movie just called all of us a fake nerd so yes like, wow. it was really so upsetting. funny so uh if you get the chance go and look up what he like actually said but he was like they don't know superman they just know the movies i'm talking about superman from the comics and then the person writing the article is like 75 years of comics <laughs> <laughs> years of comics and also a very different Superman from what we see in the movies like Superman in the comics can actually at times be tolerable and (laughs) and a kind person and like somebody who thinks of other people Um, he can also be a racist but that's another story for another day but he so, doesn't let his dad die for no reason. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. That, that's what most people say, spoilers if you haven't uh, seen anything about that movie, mm. is that even at his worst, he still wouldn't have made the decision that that Superman made to care more about one person and letting a city die. Like That kind of goes against a fundamental part mm. of him, which is that he is a human 
who is inconveniently also an alien. <laughs> Not yeah. an alien who doesn't get being a human. And yep. I mean, I hate to say it, Zack Snyder, but Supergirl kind of She did hates that. to like, say it. She, I hate, I hate to say it. No, I don't, actually. <laughs> Supergirl did it. She executed it on the show. Mm -hmm. Don't know why it was so fucking hard to do it in your movie. Like... <laughs> She was able, how she was able to save people at the same time. Like, what's he's wow. Superman? Like, well, you, do you know Superman? Because well, I you know, know Superman. He could do that. Women are more likely to show up to work after a snow day. Maybe it's a similar <laughs> thing. Like, women are more likely to try to save their constituents. Um, the third piece of news, and this one I'm really excited about. Uh, the Lonely Island is producing another. A sketch comedy series. It is completely female fronted, and the lead of the series is a black woman. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, a plus size black woman. Jessica probably. McKenna, Nicole Byer, and Allison Rich. Je Nicole Byer is uh, is a black comedian who is awesome and wonderful, and I think it's really cool of the guys behind the Lonely Island to say like, "Here's our giant soapbox." You do it. <laughs> and they hired, like, uh, people of color and women to write on the show. Um, so it's really, I mean, the, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because they're such nerds that it's, like, really cool to see TV changing in such ways and, like, uh, you know, basically white people saying, like, no, 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 we shouldn't always be in the spotlight. Here's here's the soapbox. It's for you. Like, go do the thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the news. Yes. It was really fast. And the news. Yay! So that... Uh, uh, um. Now we're moving we on. on to our. We're still coming up with segment intros. If you guys have any suggestions, uh, film yourself making a noise at us and yes. let us know. I would actually love that. That's going to be our next giveaway: is that they have to film their, themselves making a, a noise for our intros. Yes, we'll, we'll get on that. Are, yeah. they, are we going to have to go uh, chick 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 chick? No, you don't have to cheep cheep. Okay. No. Can, can you do whatever you want? Wait, what? I changed my mind. What? Go you like, have to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious when he does it because he's so stoic. Um, back to Aaron. So, uh, <laughs> back to being Aaron, who is a man. Uh, this is why we never have men on the show, because we make fun of them the entire time, and then they never come back. I don't know why they don't come back. It's so weird. Um... So, for anyone who's new, Chick Picks is basically anything that we want to share with you that we think you should check out that is either by women, um, for women, or involving women. Somehow, women have touched this shit with their hands. Their grimy little women hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's so tall that he's been slowly lowering his hand for like 10 minutes. So he's been <laughs> the entire time. Uh, so, I'll start. Yes. <clears throat> If you guys go to blackgirlnerds.com slash t-shirts, sorry I can't paste links this time because we're on a different computer, blackgirlnerds.com slash t-shirts, and use the code BGN20OFF, 20 is uh, the two numbers, 2-0, uh, you will get a 20% off discount. Uh, their shirts include an adorable little chibi uhura, um, a roller derby storm, and their mascot. It's all very, very adorable, and you should, um, you should go buy the shirt. Uh, I'm actually going to switch that. I, I talked about that last week, I realized. So my first chick pick, of course, will be KO Gaming Lounge, the beautiful place that we are at tonight, uh, run by my friend Mike Powell with the beautiful kitty at the front desk. If you guys know her cosplay, I'm sure you've been wowed by it in the past. So wonderful, wonderful people working here. More game consoles than I can count and an art gallery installation coming very soon. So check out KO Gaming Lounge. You guys can follow them at KO Gaming Lounge basically anywhere on the internet. Yeah. They're right. very easy to look up. Yes. I have a chick pick. Ooh. What 
is your chick pick. All right. What's Aaron's chick pick? So my very first one is something you probably would not assume that I like. It is the reboot of Archie Comics. Um, it's written by uh, Mark Wade, who's a great writer, classic comic book writer. Um, and the artists have actually been changing from um, each issue. It started out with uh, Fiona Staples, who's famous for Saga. Yes. Everybody knows Saga, amazing comic book. Um, Amy, uh, Annie Wu filled in for issue four and part of issue five. And now, and forever uh, moving forward, Veronica Fish, who's a, kind of a new artist. I wasn't familiar with her work before this, but um, she has an amazing talent, and she's moving on with the comic right now. Really good book. Um, really funny, really stylish. Just read it. Like, even if you think, like, oh, I don't want to read about Archie. I don't want to read about uh, relationships. <laughs> no, just read it. It's funny. It's hilarious. Great book. Doghead just uh, was announced as asexual, too. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. Yes. And um, it makes sense. Also, real quick, I saw in the chat it was posted that it's actually B is in black, not V is in vagina. So <laughs> um, that's the only difference. And yes, thank you so much, Kelsey, for posting those links. Yay, you are the real Kelsey. MVP, and we love you a lot. Uh, we love all of you. We love Zen State and Kelsey the most, though. We're not going to lie to you. Sorry, guys. Uh, my next one is uh, this is a link that I wanted to post for you guys. I, I will post this later. Um, but it's a Guardian story about how uh, minority comic creators are kind of shaking up the industry and doing a lot of really cool things. Um, and they bring up the Wicked and Divine and Saga and all these other comics. And it's a really good, like, kind of breakdown and way to, like, find out about a bunch of things. So I will get that link and I will post it for you. I'm going to make it happen. Uh, my next chick pick is the 1001 Nights Kickstarter. Uh, it is a giant collaborative project. And if you like girls fighting with swords and fighting dragons or befriending dragons, I think this is the Kickstarter for you. It's going to be really, it looks amazing. The art is gorgeous, and they're coming up, I think, on, on their stretch goals. So if you guys want to go check them out, uh, check out the 101 Nights Kickstarter, or 1001 Nights Kickstarter. Where did my phone go? It <laughs> magically disappeared. I have no idea. We're going to work on that later. I will eventually get to that later. Aaron, you had another chick pick. Okay. So originally I had something, but since we're doing esports and uh, video game stuff, I figure I should change it up to something a little bit different. Hmm. So there's two documentaries that I think people should watch if they're interested in esports. Um, there's one recently came out that was made by um, Esteban Martinez called FGC, the Fighting Game Community. Um, that one you can find on fgcthecommunity.com. Um, or I may get I may be getting that wrong, but we'll put the link in there. Um, that one is just following certain players. It's telling you what the scene is about. Um, it's really interesting learning about the fighting game community itself and how intricate it is. Um, another one is called Smash Brothers. Um, it's about the Smash Brothers scene. It came out in 2014, uh, 2014. That one is a really amazing documentary. Like, I, if I could, I would submit, submit that to a film festival. Um, both of those documentaries tell you a lot about competitive gaming and what the scene is about and what the diversity looks like for both uh, Smash and fighting games. You had you be a third? Did you say your second? I already said my second. Really? I'm going in order. I feel like I didn't hear you say anything. The 1001 Maybe Nights it, Kickstarter. No, that was your first one. My first one was KO Gaming Lounge. Oh. <laughs> All right, now I'm back. I'm oh, back. I caught yay. up. Okay. Uh, my third one is self-promotional. If you are interested in attending the Long Beach Comic Expo, you should go. And then at 1 p.m. on Saturday, the 20th of February, you should come find the Marvel Report booth. And I will be there signing books and doing a Q&A. It's going to be exciting and terrifying because I've never done anything like that. Um, so, <laughs> yay, come see me. And uh, go follow the Marvel Report on Twitter. 
if you can, and tell them Sarah the Rebel sent you. Yay! Uh, my final, first of all, I'll also be at Long Beach Convention, uh, Comic Expo Convention thing. I will be hosting panels, but that's not, that's for later. Um, my, uh, pick is Future Girl, which starts next week, starring our dear friend Amy Dallin. Amy Dallin! It looks so cute, it's a little sitcom web series, and Amy Dallin t plays a girl from the future! And yes. <laughs> And there's other people in it as well, and they're all roommates, and it's about this mishmash of weird girls who come together into one apartment. I love that that's how we promoted it. Amy Dallas did it. There's other girls, too. I'm sorry I don't know their names. But Amy Dallas. <laughs> they're also very cool and unique. One of them is a Valkyrie, and then the last one is, like, a normal girl who has to deal with the, these weird people. <laughs> She's just normal as hell. She just doesn't even get it. Uh, but yeah, they had a little uh, a little uh, skit that they shared to like get people excited for it. And it was them trying to open a wine bottle. And if you've ever been a woman uh, under the age of 25, you have run into this problem at least once in your life where you have a bottle of wine and you're really excited for that bottle of wine, but you don't have a wine opener. And I, I just know that feels so I could tell y'all stories about getting wine open. You go for open. the knife first, you go for your fabric scissors next. Then you go on YouTube and you look up videos. And finally you call Ashford, who uses her muscles. Um, but it you was... hit it with the chunklet. For a little while. No! Get it all! Um, and uh, so the, the scene is something that's very relatable, but it's got that added twist of, these motherfuckers are weird. <laughs> it's great. Yes. All right. I got the one. All right, so this one, I think a lot of you have probably watched this, but Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, if you didn't know, the mangaka is a woman um, by the name of Hiromu, uh, Hiromu Arakawa. Um, show's been out for a long time, but Funimation is losing the license in the United States, and it's going to be leaving their streaming service on the 31st. Um, it's also on Netflix, but Netflix licenses the animation from Funimation, so it may be disappearing from Netflix too. So if you haven't watched that show, watch it. It's one of the ten best anime of the past decade. Yes, come back and cry with us about it. Yes. It's gonna, it I, remember, uh, I, I haven't watched that in a hot minute too. Like I remember that show. It's wonderful. All right, uh, Sarah is done typing, so we're going to move into our our main uh, section, which is called <coughs> Heads Up. Woman up. up! Yay! Is it? We did it! I don't know. I, I think I remember it as heads up, woman up because of heads up, heads seven, up seven up. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, that's what it is. We heads have, up, woman up. We know. have decided. Yeah. I'm sorry. We could call it heads up if you want. No, I, no. Heads up, woman up is fine. See, this is how you have a good relationship. Yes. It is compromise. Woman up. Woman up. Woman up. Uh, so as we mentioned before, our main topic uh, is esports and the rise of competitive gaming. Um, so I think the first thing that we can kind of talk about uh, is because we are in a gaming lounge, um, there are different types of esports, right? So there are some that are based around shooting games, there are some that are based around um, strategy games, and then there are some that are based around fighting games. So first let's talk about fighting game stuff. Um, and that's where Capuan is has a lot of experience as well. Um, so we were talking before about uh, some of the things going on right now in the world of esports, and one of those things is that Street Fighter V is coming out. Comes out Tuesday. Right. Um, and you were mentioning that there's a thing that happens, this kind of weird, awkward phase when people lose their game. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So for fighting games, from the period of, from about 2000 till 2008, there was no new Street Fighter games. They were a bunch of other video games, but Street Fighter is the granddaddy. Everybody knows that one. And the scene kind of meandered for a long period of time. 
when Street Fighter 4 came out, the scene blew up. It became what it is today. Streaming came with it. Um, but in that time frame, the players who grew up with that game, loved that game, started in high school or elementary school playing that game. Now's the first time they're going to have to learn a new fighting game, a new video game. And it's something that you kind of see a generational thing happen um, where they're not ready for it. Uh, people who played Street Fighter back in the 90s, people who played it in the early 2000s, like they remember playing their game and then it not no longer being the new hotness. Like It was not the shit anymore. And people moved on to the new scene. And this is the first time that players who played Street Fighter 4 are experiencing that. Um, it's always a good thing that happens because anytime we get a new game, generally the scene grows bigger. Um, but it's also a big transition happening this time versus the past because now if esports is becoming bigger and bigger, more and more money is coming into it. And the companies who make these games want to support it financially. And they're supporting the game and marketing the game by having big tournaments and big events. And they're going to support the new game, not the old game, because they don't make money selling the old game because everybody owns it already. So it's players adapting to that situation of their game no longer having publisher support in the same manner that they had for the past couple years, and now having tournament organizers focus their attention towards the newer game as opposed to the older game. Is there any resentment, do you think, in the fighting game community when that happens, when they have to completely abandon an older game because the company wants to make money and, and focus on the new game? There definitely is, um, because up until that point, they haven't had to be self-sustaining. Um, they got by by tournament, organize, tournament organizers who like saw that this is the important game. I'm going to make sure your game is there because it's the most important one. Now, because their game is no longer considered important, they've are, now that it's no longer number one, I'll put it that way. Now that it's no longer number one, they feel like their game is being devalued. And that all of their hard work and effort is no longer as valuable as it once was. So people are having negative reactions because, like, I put years into this game, and now you're telling me, like, I came to this tournament next week, and my game's not here anymore. Does all my hard work not count? Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like me when I play The Sims 3, and they ask me to buy Sims 4, and I say, no. <laughs> I'm going to play this game for 10 years, and I'll play it for 10 more years, uh, except I don't get paid uh, any kind of money. Uh, let's actually, I think that's an interesting thing a lot of people don't know. Did you guys know that freaking, like, 18-year-olds can make more money than you've ever seen in your life playing video games. Mm -hmm. uh, how much did, was it Sonic Fox? Yeah, so there's a middle Mortal Kombat player named Sonic Fox. Who's a little boy. Yeah, he's 17. <laughs> uh, technically, he started playing a game before he's legally old enough to play it. But um, he's 17 in 2015. He won three different tournaments and has now made over $160,000. Jesus. He made all that money. Yeah, that's just three tournaments. There's other smaller tournaments that he won, but I the main prize spots he's won from Evo, from ESL and ESL Season 2, $160,000. And you know something Not even that, 18. that I like about the fighting game community? I think of that because Sonic Fox is also a furry and he's bisexual. Yeah. And it's something that he uses his platform to talk about. And so I know that's something that we both notice about the fighting game community compared to other esports communities is the culture and the environment around it. Like... Uh, do you want to talk a little about, about your experiences in the arcade? Yeah, absolutely. I actually was really deeply um, imbued, I think, in the fighting game community when I was... That's not the right word. I was <laughs> deep, deeply invested in the fighting game community when I was younger, and I used to play uh, King of Fighters um, before the newer games came out. That was, like, our game when I went where I lived. Like, mm -hmm. we were we were SNK fans, and now SNK means something completely different at the, these days. Um, 
So uh, I actually fell out because of that transition and because at that point in my life, not only was my game no longer relevant, but I was also moving across the country and starting college and I just stopped. Right. Um, but I really like the fighting game community because um, there are always going to be those assholes online and you know, there's always going to be like right. that one person that's like a dick to you, but it doesn't matter who the fuck you are in the fighting game community. All that matters is your game. Like that's everything I've noticed. Um, and I know that it can be like really daunting because of that, because uh, I've noticed a lot of girls don't want to join the community, not because they uh, think that guys will like be dicks to them, but because you're held in such a high standard that people are afraid to start. And I think that that's totally wrong. I think that you should get out there, go to tournaments, get your ass kicked a billion times and get better at it. Because uh, as someone who fell out of it and regrets it um, and didn't upgrade and continue my game, uh, I, I think it's just absolutely worth staying in because it's such a good, like, it's a good community to grow up in, you right. know? Yeah. Um, I think it's something, uh, too, if you are a woman listening to this in the future world uh, and you want to play fighting games, uh, I once interviewed, like, ten women uh, who played fighting games at, at EVO one year. I lost every single interview, so I never did anything with it. But all of them actually had very similar stories, which was they had they just came up in a group of guys and were like, I want to learn how to play. And all of them had stories of those guys being so supportive and being like, I believe in you. I know you can do it. We're going to mm -hmm. make you better. Um, instead of being like, oh, you're a girl, you're fake. The team, you know, the group of people that these women each trained with mm -hmm. were very supportive because they wanted to see more women play games and be awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what, what my, because I, of course, I grew up with like, a bunch of guys who played Street Fighter, and that's how I got into it. We played King of Fighters, we played all that. So um, they were actually the ones who encouraged me to start because they were like, "Oh, you're kind of good at Smash. Why don't you try this game? Because it looks more like your style." And I like that that's your two races that yeah. you're representing: King huh? of Fighters and Smash. Those yeah. I mean, like that's I was good at Smash because uh, we we had just got a Wii, and then like I was good at Smash. This was way back. Um, I was good at Smash, so they started me on King of Fighters, and then I went and dabbed in Street Fighter, but, like, King of Fighters was where I was, um, which is kind of weird, I guess. Nobody played it. Um, but, yeah, they were all very encouraging, and it was really cool because it was, like, a really mixed group. I don't know if you remember that little fake music video I made with my friends in Florida where it's just, like, me and, like, four really tall black dudes, but those were my fighting game guys, and they were the guys who encouraged me to do more, so it's... And it's never for even, like, some of them are like, of course we want girls here. I want a girlfriend. But for the most part, they're just like, we just talk. want more girls here. Like, it just doesn't feel right. Like, you know, like, and knowing that that's how the community feels where it's like, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel, like, balanced. I want more. Um, I think that's a more, and that's, that's, like, the most positive way I've seen a gaming community react to, yeah. like, wanting more, more people. Yeah, I would say the scene, like, has transitioned in the past decade. Mm -hmm. um, back in the 90s and early 2000s when arcade culture was still strong, mm -hmm. there is a lot of hostility, not just to women, but to men as well. Like, mm -hmm. if you go to the local arcade and you don't know anybody and you're trying to play a game, they're like, who, who the f is this person? Like, mm -hmm. like, get off the machine, we're playing. Like, it's, it's our turn. You, I don't want you here. Um, but as time went on, when games started moving to console and online started getting bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. like, that kind of went away. People just wanted to play. Yeah. Like, if you're good at the game, that's all people care about and if you want to learn people are willing to take you in like i would say if you're new to fighting games or you like you see street fighter 5 say like oh that looks cool i want to play chun li i want to play karen or Mika or whoever mm -hmm. go to a gaming event next week come to ko lounge come to wednesday night fights like mm -hmm. 
go to the foundry in San Francisco or any other event in your local area. Like, if you're a girl and you don't know how to play, if you're a guy and you don't know how to play, people will be willing to teach you. Mm-hmm. Like, we want our scene to grow. That is the most important thing about fighting games and esports community. We want everything to be bigger. We want everybody to love it. Like, right. we don't want people to go away. And it's not just uh, a good community for, for women, but also for... Uh, you see a lot more diversity in the fighting game community than you see in some of the other communities. Um, for example, for like League of Legends, it's mostly Asian people. For Smash, it's mostly white people. For like Call of Duty, it's mostly white guys. But then, like the fighting game community, just looks like the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. You will get all different people from all different backgrounds. Um, you know, actually, it's an issue we don't talk about a lot here is trans issues. Actually, and the fighting game community has actually a really prominent uh, trans player. Ricky, mm-hmm. who, what does Ricky play again? Uh, Ricky Ortiz, uh, she plays Street Fighter primarily. She played Marvel, but Street Fighter is like her main game. And the most amazing thing to me as an out, because I played, so my background since Katrina gave hers, I played Tekken like a fiend growing up. Tekken was my jam, but we didn't have arcades where I was from. So I never even knew this whole wider world existed. And the first time I played somebody who knew what was up, I rage quit because I was so, I was defeated so, oh my God, it was, it was ugly. And I was like, okay, I'm never going to be that good. I don't, I surrender, white flag. But um, I also, like, so I, I was kind of the outsider looking in for a lot of it and just seeing how respectful, like, organizers and common, um, the, the casters are about using the correct pronouns for Ricky really impressed me. Even while the chat will be talking all kinds of garbage, half, half the chat, half the chat also really loves Ricky. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just very impressive to me because there are still more civilized events than, than the fighting game community kind of has a reputation for where they're not that respectful. Mm-hmm. Like, there are cons where people won't use your proper pronouns. Mm-hmm. It really sucks. Uh, but I, I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. And then also we've got uh, a major rise... Do we want to move on to the female commentators, or do we want to say? Oh, we can, unless you had more to say on, on Street Fighter and, and the fighting game community. I, I could talk about the fighting game community forever and just completely <laughs> ditch all this esports stuff. Otherwise, <laughs> like that's that's why I'm trying to move myself ahead because otherwise I'm just gonna be like, I remember the time I went to Chinatown Arcade and bloopity blue blue blue, and it was great. Yeah, I would. Um, I would say um, just for fighting games that. Uh, going on to Smash. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called Smash Sisters that is going on right now uh-huh. that's been a subject of debate. Um, it's a female-only tournament that they've been doing as part of various majors for Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's been a touchy subject because some female players feel like it's great. There's an open place for women to get in, but there are other women who feel like, I don't want to be put in a separate box. Like, I'm a Smash player. I don't want to be recognized as a woman separately. Yeah. I want to just be a good player. Mm-hmm. But I think the general consensus, most people feel like it's a good thing because it's exposing more people towards that event, towards that right. audience. But or even giving women the idea that they can do it. Because yeah. that's often the very first hurdle that women have to get over in any field, for some odd reason, is the idea that we could do something competitively. Because, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it, competitiveness, unless you're a girl that grew up playing sports, usually because somebody in your family encourage you to play sports or maybe you had a personal hero and you saw a documentary when you were little like <laughs> you, you know we're told don't be competitive um don't try to push yourself ahead don't ever say that you're better than somebody else you know like humble yourself so it, it can be a weird thing for women to think oh i could go and like 
play a fighting game competitively. Like, and you can talk shit. And like, you can. you're encouraged to just talk shit. And it's mm-hmm. fine. And it's fun. And everyone is having a... Like, I, that's what I love the most. Like, like it, you had said, when I went to Chinatown Arcade, when I moved back to New York, um, I walked in for the first time, and I just kind of, like, sat behind the Street Fighter machine. And this was, like, after it had just come out, too. And uh, someone just turned around when he was done and was like, are you playing next? And I'm like, I don't know how to play this game. And he was like, would you like to learn? And it was that easy. Like, there was never any judgment. There was never any, what are you doing here? It's just like, you want to learn? And I was like, heck yes, let's do this. <laughs> so it was great. It was awesome. So if you are looking for a gaming esports community to start in, fighting games might be your jam. Because everyone here just likes to play fighting games and have a lot of fun. Right. And once you start playing, and uh, this will be the last thing we say about fighting games, we'll move on. Um, once you start playing fighting games, you realize how deep the game is and how much there is to like pay attention to and mm-hmm. to learn. But I do think it's very easy to start. Um, and you, it's one of those games where you can actually practice on your own and study and do all those things so, uh, versus like going and getting your head blown off every five seconds and Call of Duty to learn. So if that's like something daunting to you, yeah, try fighting games. I spit a little. <laughs> I was excited. So the rise of female commentators. Uh, this seems like something you would be able to speak on a little more than me, except for with Persia at the end. So. Because okay. <laughs> I know Persia. All right. So, yeah. I guess one of the bigger things happening right now in esports is that um, even outside of fighting games, they're trying to diversify. They're trying to in- make their games more accessible across different uh, regions and different cultures. Mm-hmm. And... One of the main things happening right now is that for League of Legends, for uh, Counter-Strike and other uh, esports uh, titles, they're turning to more female competitors or former competitors or just experts to be commentators. Hmm. Um, For uh, Counter-Strike Go, there's a woman by the name of Pansy. I forgot her real name. Um, But she was a longtime uh, former FPS competitor back in the early or mid-2000s. And... uh, when Counter-Strike Go started picking up after everybody, you know, kind of got over the fact that CSGO wasn't source, um, she started stepping in for ESL, and she got a lot of flack, like, but she grew into it, like, she became a better commentator. Mm. And now it's to the point where, like, she's the main commentator or the co-commentator for primary events. Um, for instance, the Intel Cup that happened in San Jose um, a couple of months ago, um, where friggin' uh, Mark Cuban showed up and <laughs> gave away the uh, super... A multi-thousand dollar check. Wow. Like, she's the main commentator for the English broadcast. Um, for League of Legends, there's... Uh, I'm going to butcher her name because it's um, Icelandic. But there is Froskurin. Um, Froskurin. Froskurin, yes. Uh, she's been a, in the league scene for a long time. Um, but she uh, broadcast the English version for uh, the LPL, which is the Chinese uh, League of Legends uh, tournament series officially uh, sanctioned by Riot. Um, before, she was just doing the English broadcast, but I think they're going to have her do some of the U.S. broadcasts as well. Um, she did some stuff in the U.S. for ESL as well before um, the, le- the LCS started. Mm. I'm sorry I just keep on saying words that people have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> League of Legends. LCS, ECL, yeah. EVO, yeah. Biscuits. You knew the one of those. Yeah. <laughs> League of Legends is LOL. LCS is the championship series. So League of Legends, Riot Games, their official their official, official tournament put on by them. ESL is um, Electronic Sports League. They're one of the largest um, esports um, organizations. They hold major tournaments across the world, in Europe, in Asia, and North America. Yes. All right. 
And then we have Persia. Yes. And you said you, you could talk a little about Persia? You, you uh, watched yeah, Persia? Yeah, per Persia's been a Marvel commentator for a little while, um, and I've seen her on streams, and I really, really like her because she has, like, this fantastic personality. Um, but I actually don't know too much of her history. Yeah. So Persia's a Marvel player. Um, like, she's Yipes' girlfriend. Yipes is an OG in the Marvel community. Mm -hmm. um, but I think about two, three years ago, like, she started stepping in for commentary in a lot of the locals in the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And then, like, just stepped up her game, started learning more, started getting more in depth, started making combo video, well, not combo videos, but C -c -c combo <laughs> But insight videos to the point where like she's the primary like if you're looking for a Marvel commentator, like she's one of the five names that you look to immediately. And right now, um, just this past year, um, back in the Q4 of 2015, she started a Marvel podcast with a Kinder Party from Arizona and some other folks, and now. That podcast has moved on to the Team Spooky official channel as a group of podcasts. And you have this female commentator who just grown into the Marvel scene is now one of the most biggest experts in Marvel. Like, no one even talks back about her anymore. Like, <laughs> like there's always going to be stream monsters and people who hate, but, like, mm -hmm. the haters have gone away. Like, now she's just respected. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's just, she's the shit. <laughs> she's just the shit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're, you know, we're... It's easy to see if you if you don't know that much about esports and everything, just from the way we're talking, that esports has a lot of organization behind it. Um, and it's something that people take very seriously and go through great lengths to do well, to organize tournaments, to have, uh, to train, to make these documentaries about. And so it's finally kind of paying off and esports are taking off um, in more than just Twitch with the realm where they kind of grew up. Um, so, for example, you may have heard, you know, things with ESPN. Remember that guy we talked about who was talking oh, about all that shit? The ESPN commentator who said that he would quit his job if uh, if esports started being played on the main channel, which now it has. Yep. Colin Cowherd, he's a terrible person. Did he leave? Is he gone? Is he gone? So Did he go to Canada? He, oh, he said some racist stuff and got fired from ESPN. <laughs> went, went to Fox Sport 1, oh. and his show was tanking. It, um, the, like, the... The repeat broadcast on a Spanish version of Fox Sports 1 gets better ratings than his show. You know, you can always tell if somebody doesn't like video games, they're also probably racist and sexist. <laughs> so go ahead and get rid of them. Just go ahead and go. Oh, that's great. Isn't karma just karma. such a wonderful bitch? I love it. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry I said the B word. I said fuck at the beginning of this, I'm pretty sure. Or I said vagina. I actually don't remember what well, I said. We've just said it now, so it doesn't matter. Damn it. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, too. And I think, I, I mean, like, these numbers are obviously very early, um, but uh, ESPN has grown massively in subscriptions over the past three months. And I hate to chalk it up all, all the esports, but... Uh, I think it's esports. I think esports <laughs> is helping, at least. We should make t-shirts that say, I think it's esports. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it's esports, yeah. but it's esports. But it's esports. <laughs> yeah, so they um, actually released or officially launched their esports channel. Well, mm -hmm. not channel, but like the esports section of their website. So now they have full editorial pieces in addition to the tournament stuff that they've shown on their site. Um, and I know Heroes of the Dorm is something that's been on ESPN2, I think. Um, it's the most of it happens on ESPN three, and then the big tournament goes on to ESPN two. But Heroes of the Dorm is where uh, a bunch of college students get to play. Um, it is Hero Blizzard's Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. I remembered. I was no. getting there. Uh, I get to play Heroes of the Storm for the chance to get college tuition. 
Which, I mean, first of all, it's crazy, A, that you can get college tuition through video games. Mm -hmm. Suck on that, mama. You told me I was wasting my life. Well, you wasted mine. I could have been paying for your, your house right now. We could be living large, mama. It's your fault. I blame you. Um, <laughs> but like, not only just but just paying for things, but also you could be on TV. Like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at this point, too, that is not the only um, scholarship being offered for esports. And I think it's really interesting and cool that, like, these kids now get to, like, you know, when I was getting into college, I thought it was cool that we had, like, a, a gaming 101 course where we explored the history of gaming and where we didn't have that at all. This and that. Yeah, I, I was, it was New York. <laughs> but, Virginia um, ain't got that class. <laughs> New York University. Um, but yeah, now, now you can actually get college tuition for that you can have like your 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 time your dorm room your books paid for because you play video games and yep. you're good at it and that's awesome yes mm -hmm. yep and not just for not for just for heroes of the storm but for league of legends as well yes there are a couple of schools in the midwest where they have official sports teams mm -hmm. um yep. hbl real sports did a doc did a segment about it just talking about how those are official collegiate athletes mm -hmm. yes yeah, it's, it's amazing um, and then, you know, while, while it's doing all these great things, like there's going to be an, a Mortal Kombat eSports special on CW. Here's on Monday. <laughs> uh, Turner's TV and Digital E-League is happening. Um, uh, Blizzard purchased MLG. Is that a thing? Yeah, so Blizzard, um, Activision Blizzard, they purchased MLG. MLG is one of the original uh, eSports organizations in the U.S. They bought it wholesale. Um, no one really knows what they're going to do with it for right now. It's just business as usual. But... Uh, you could see potentially a Heroes of the Dorm thing, type thing with Overwatch, which comes out um, right. so in spring. Which is, and all that's really exciting. Um, but Justin Wong had a tweet during the Super Bowl that I thought was, was pretty interesting. Uh, as he's watching the Super Bowl, he tweeted something like, I have the link here, but I can't click on it because they're not connected to the <laughs> Internet. Yeah. Uh, but it said something like, um, uh, we still have a long way to go production-wise. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why the Super Bowl is on this level and we're not at this level yet. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it was just speaking towards the professionalism and the spectacle and graphics and whatnot. Like the, for most streams, I would say outside of a major event or like a multi-million dollar event, it's kind of pretty, uh, pretty duct taped together. It looks like this. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, you made it work. Yeah, Shh. I mean, and people are trying to get better. Like for a weekly, no one really, no one cares about like being super professional. But for major events, like, things have changed. Um, for Evo, for instance, instead of just saying, like, hey, that random guy that I kind of know, uh, come do commentary. No, like, they're having where people have to show and prove that they know what they're doing. They have to build out a tape. They have to submit their resume. They have to submit all of the stuff to make sure that, like, okay, we know you're a professional. We know you can, like, shout out to the brands properly. We know you, you know your stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it for everyone, not just, like, the people who've done it for years, but, like, brand new people. And... Outside of that, it's to the point where um, all of these regular events are paying people now. Right. For the longest time, everything's been 100% grassroots where, like, I do this for the love. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's more like I do it for the love and I want to get a paycheck. I'm going to quit my job and do this. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Chris Seglia is a perfect example. Um, for uh, He has his own independent production company. Mm -hmm. But he's someone who worked in broadcasting for Fox Sports mm -hmm. and had done stuff on the side for uh, Evo and Street Fighter events and whatnot. Right. Um, but now he said, I'm going to go all into this. Um, Spooky is another person who's done the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put all my time and effort in trying to make a real production company 
and actually produce esports events in a professional manner that makes this look good to advertisers and right. Companies. So it actually opens up into job opportunities, and and also as far as professionalism and, and making it a spectacle. Watching, uh, were, were we watching Capcom Cup where they had the the players actually um, appear? like yeah. looking really cool before they went on like the extra time to to make it seem like these are our stars just like how football does where it's like lamangelo rangelo from the university of Tennessee. like those moments where you actually you see like kind of their stats and what they're all about like uh, esports is starting to do that for their players now yeah and it's been like that for a while in korea korea like esports is what i feel like esports is was born in korea in terms of production like, they, they have cable channels, I think, three different cable channels that are just eSports. Um, StarCraft, primarily. Well, it used to be StarCraft. Now it's everything. Um, but I think they, yeah, like you said, they've gotten to the point where, like, we want this to be, like, a real sporting event. We want to have the stats. We want to say, like, here's the win-loss record between these two guys. Like, in their rivalries, like, we'll do, like, wrestling-type stuff nowadays. Right. It's, it's been pretty exciting. So we did promise you that we would cut it out. And leave time for the yes. Q&A. Um, but first, let us announce our contest winner. Can we get a drum roll? <laughs> the winner is Lou Caravalho. Carav- Carvalho. 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 We know him as Vagabond. Um, yes. He's not in the chat, so we'll tell him that he won a loot crate. Rude, but he's... he's Dedicated. Nice. He's the homie. Um, <laughs> we do not have a contest currently. We may end up putting together a contest before the next show, so be sure to subscribe to our YouTube to find the answer to that. So uh, let's do five minutes of Q&A. All games had a, the first question. Um, how are ethical problems handled in esports? Are there issues with collusion and cheating? Uh, so this has been an ongoing issue. Um, with esports, for the longest period of time, um, Players would throw matches and split the pot with each other. So, like, three people make top three. They're like, okay, how about we all split the money? Who cares who wins? We all come out on top. And that happened for years. Um, And it's been a problem for forever. And over the past couple years, it's been clamped down. But outside of, like, official events from ESL or from a company like League of Legends, like Riot Games, it's hard to... um, it's hard to um, enforce rules on people because there's no governing body. Um, there's been talk of having a governing body for esports for, for years now. I don't think it's going to happen um, anytime soon, but it's an idea that's been floated out there. But um, I'd say that issue has kind of gone away over the past couple of years. The bigger issue right now that they've been trying to deal with is just flat-out gambling, um, particularly DraftKings-style gambling and in-audience gambling. Mm -hmm. For fighting games, it's notoriously known that if you sit in the front row of a fighting game tournament, you're going to see people yelling out, who do you like, who do you like, and they're going to be exchanging money. I like this person to win in round three or some crap like that, just Mm -hmm. like boxing. Um, It's really funny to watch that, by the way, the first time you go to a competition, you're like, oh, my God, are we... Are, are they gambling? This is like old school. Like, I've seen this in a movie. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and it happens, but it becomes an issue because many of the people who are at these tournaments are not necessarily all over the age of 18. Mm. Like, you have high school students here. You have a lot of uh, uh, younger folks who are exposed to uh, adult-type <laughs> adult situations. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm. 
So it's an ongoing issue. Right now, there's really no fix in place. The only time where things are really enforced is when an organization has it in their official rule book and they are able to tell that a team cheated, that they drew a match. Uh, any other questions, guys? If you guys have questions, feel free to send it our way. Into, uh, until then, I'm just going to make noises with my underwear. Uh, we do have a question. When people sign up for tournaments, is there a clause about collusions and stuff? Uh, sometimes, not always. Um, it depends on the tournament for, like, a local event. Um, like, you're not really going to be filling out papers. Mm -hmm. But if it's an event where you're – so, actually, I can explain it because – I'm a TO myself. So if you're making over a certain amount of money, depending on which state you're running your tournament in, you have to um, actually have the person fill out a tax form. Like, I think it's a W-1080. I can't remember what number it is. Or W-4 or something like that. Um, but they have to fill out a tax document because you're making over $500 or $1,000, whatever state that is, that has to be taxed. And when you have official documents like that, you generally, as a tournament organizer, want to have your ass covered for any legal repercussions. So those type of tournaments, yeah, you're going to sign a document. You're going to sign a waiver that says, I cannot cheat. If I'm found a cheating, I waive my prize money. Um, but if it's something small, like you're playing for like a couple hundred bucks in a local tournament, you're not really going to fill anything out. It just depends on the scale of the event and the um, professionalism of the organizer. That is something I never thought about. Um, guys, so we have one more minute if you guys want to get any questions in. No question is too stupid because we also like to make fun of you. So if you ask a stupid question, uh, we get to pick on you, which yeah, is exciting. We've been asking stupid questions this whole show, so now it's your turn. Are the game selectors controlled by the gaming companies, the community, or the sanctioning body? Game selections. It depends on the game and the event. If someone's independent and running their own event, they can choose whatever games they want. Um, for certain games, um, like League of Legends, like you need to have official approval from Riot if you're going to run it at your event. Um, if it's if it's a, a certain level, like if you're just having a tournament at your college, you don't need official approval. But if you're having some big event in Las Vegas, then yeah, you need their approval. Um, if a company's doing their own event, then yes, yeah, their own event doesn't matter. Um, if it's something like an organization like ESL or MLG, then they need to get the company sign off. Um, from a legal standpoint, they're in a gray area because if you're broadcasting a game that you don't own the license to, you can get shut down. A couple years ago um, at EVO, when they were going to stream Smash Brothers for the first time again, I Nintendo threatened to have them pull down the tournament. And um, that was going to be a really shitty thing because Smash Brothers fans paid to get their game into the tournament. They donated to charity to get their game selected, and they weren't going to stream it. But Nintendo got so much PR flack within like a one hour time span mm -hmm. that they retracted their uh, statement immediately. <laughs> yes, I, I actually remember that happening. Uh, okay, last question, and then we're going to round out with our intro. Uh, I believe DP is double penetration. I'm salty. <laughs> uh, John Rob Tom asks, has crowdfunding become a staple financial model in fighting game scenes? Um, not really. Uh, crowdfunding in fighting game communities kind of frowned upon just because of people who have been really shady in the past. A lot of times you've seen players who say like, I want to go play at this tournament. Please donate so I can go play there. And you come to find out, like, oh, this guy sponsored. This sponsor had already paid for their ticket. Or they say, oh, I can't go to, I couldn't get those days off. I can't go anymore. And they don't pay people back. So, like, in general, crowdfunding and fighting game scene has been looked down upon unless you have a legit reason. Um, the only crowdfunding that people have really gotten behind is either, like, I want to make a game, so you're releasing a new title, or you're trying to open a business like Super Arcade. 
are people who are need a charitable donation, like Chris Hu, who had his uh, house burned down. Mm. Or, Chris uh, Who? Uh, Chris Hu. He's from New York. He's a longtime <laughs> community member. His family's apartment burned down. People donated I got and got money. I thought it was Chris G, and I was like, not my baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, or then no. other players who had, like, medical emergencies. Um, there's a player, two, a couple of players passed away um, last year or two years ago. Yeah. We donated for their funerals and whatnot. So One stuff of like them that. on stream, I believe, right? Yeah, that... Yeah, that's that, crazy. That's pretty bad. Um, so uh, we're going to move on to the outro. Thank you so much, uh, nice. Aaron Kaplan, yes. for being here. Go follow I him being on, the on Twitter at Kaplan. It's da- it's down there. There we go. I can make my hand work. Boop, 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 boop. Look, she's struggling too. See, it wasn't just me. Uh, go follow Kaplan. Give him some love. Uh, he does stream every once in a while when he can pull himself away from work and my couch. <laughs> uh, our next show is going to be February 24th. We are probably talking about superhero shows, since that's what we had originally planned to talk about uh, this time. Uh, We have a YouTube channel we'd really love for you to follow, because we have to get to a certain number of followers before we get the channel URL. So if you've already followed us, that's awesome. Can you tell other people you know to follow us? Um, The way to get the link is slightly complicated. (laughs) It is bit.ly slash womanupshow, but... You have to capitalize the W, capitalize the U, and capitalize the S. God hates me. So go to bit.ly slash womanupshow. Or if you're on YouTube.com, in the search bar, type in womanuppodcast and make it all one word. Mm-hmm. It will be one of the first results. Really? Because yes. whenever I do that, it does not pop up. <laughs> I did it today. So okay, well, works. that's good to know. Maybe we finally got enough videos that they're like, okay, you're real. Yeah. Um, you're so you can also real. do that. That is much easier. The last few times I did it, it didn't work. Twitter won't let you do that at all. It's just been a complicated mess. YouTube is getting real elitist, and I'm tired of your bullshit, YouTube. Um, you can also follow me at Sarah the Rebel. And you can follow me anywhere on the internet at Ocatrina, spelled as it is there in there. Uh, and please be sure to uh, check out allgames.com slash whoop if you want to listen to this later without watching us, or if you want to tell other people to, or if you are listening to this later and you're like, how can I find this another way? Uh, go to allgames.com slash whoop, or you can go to iTunes. I uh, do have a bit.ly link I can post later, but it's bit.ly slash whoop iTunes. Right. Um, oh, and reminder, fighting game tournament here on Tuesday I for Street Fighter Five, $100 pot. Um but also, like, if you live in SoCal, they have tournaments here, like, pretty much every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursdays, there's Marvel. On Tuesdays, there's Mortal Kombat and now Street Fighter V. On Saturdays and Sundays, there's sometimes special events. And other days, there's Hearthstone. Whatever. Follow them on Facebook. Really cool. Kale Gaming Lounge. Yes. Yeah. It's Roland Heights. A lot of good Asian food nearby. Uh, yes. Like we said, be sure to follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Twitch. They're really awesome. It was so nice of them to let us come here and to let us teach Katrina how to make it rain. Hey. Uh, that what are you doing right now? I'm circling the. Oh oh oh! That's it. I was just like, I just see Katrina doing this, and I'm like, are you driving or putting a man's head in the correct position? I don't understand what is happening. <laughs> Look, he's bald. Um, <laughs> didn't oh. know. Can I do a shout out too? Oh yes, please. On Monday, the official release party for Street Fighter Five is happening. Um, Lupe Fiasco, the rapper, is going to be fighting Daigo oh, yeah. in a first to ten in Street Fighter V. Yes, this is really happening. The rapper Lupe Fiasco is fighting arguably the best Street Fighter player of all time in Street Fighter V. So Daigo, 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 and Daigo. Yes. Sorry, I'm making fun of Dylon. Yes. <laughs> he plays hot fire. 
Diego, 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 and Diego. Lupe Fiasco about to get whooped. He's gonna be embarrassed. He's gonna get on his skateboard and skate away. Yep. So that'll be on Twitch.tv, Capcom Fighters, if you want to watch. Awesome. Well, thanks again to the KO Gaming Lounge for having us, uh, and thank you guys for watching the show. And until next time, party, party down, down and, and woman up! up. Yay! Bye, guys.